thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. The Real Food Real is a fresh and educational podcast dedicated to your health. We get real on current research, debunk food myths, and educate you on how to just eat real food. Your host, Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist, is one of Australia's leading sports nutritionists, passionate about simplifying nutrition and addicted to coconut lattes, smoothies, and sweet potato. If you love the show, then please leave us a review on iTunes. Share the real food reel with your friends and continue to spread the real food love. Hi team and welcome back to another episode of The Real Food Real. Today on the show we are again joined by Kirsty Worth from Cultured Wellness. Those of you that have been listening to the show for some time will have heard Kirsty's story and will certainly know all about her amazing company Cultured Wellness. Uh, we've got Kirsty back on the show to talk about all things intestinal health and parasites. Hi Kirsty and thanks for coming back. Hi Steph, thanks for having me. It's good to be back. Yeah, I'm really interested to talk to you about this topic. Um, certainly, you know, those of you that are eating breakfast or thinking about your next meal, you might want to put that on hold for this topic. It's not a sexy topic to talk about, but it's something that's really, really important. And I'd love for you to start with a little bit of a sort of a what, why, how and who on parasites, starting with what, what they are. Yeah, so parasites are basically organisms. They're either single-celled or they can be multi-celled and they basically invade our bodies. So we're the host and they come along and they can burrow down in all sorts of different places within our body. They can burrow down in the liver, they can burrow down in our gut and um, basically they're designed to be able to take up shop. So they'll um, certainly try and take away our food source there are many, many different kinds of strains. For example, you can have things like um, Dientamoeba fragilis or Blasto are some common ones that we see. And they really are quite, you know, they can become quite an, an issue if they're left undetected or undiagnosed. And, you know, people who have parasites and don't know it, they can be you know, experiencing sort of excessive gas, abdominal bloating. It can kind of swing from constipation to diarrhoea. And even things that might not seem clear like headaches, fatigue, depression, muscle aches is a really big one, low muscle tone. Um, it, you know, it's a host of problems because they really do take over um, you as an organism. So it, it's definitely something to rule out and to understand if you've got any living living with inside you. Yeah, absolutely. And we definitely want to talk about, um, you know, how that happens and some treatment and um, testing options. But before we do, we've covered the what and the symptoms, which I guess we could put under the the how. <laughs> but what about the why? You know, why do we get parasites or why does one person get them over another? Yeah. So, I mean, it basically comes down to having a robust gut microbiome. So if we've got a robust gut microbiome that's full of really good thriving bacteria, lots and lots of that good bacteria, then if a parasite comes into our body, it's going to find it really, really hard to burrow down and to take up some real estate in, in the body. Whereas if you've got basically 
poor gut bacteria. There's nothing to defend your body. And if you've got low stomach acid, which means that when you eat something, that stomach acid will defend you. It'll, you know, it's acids that'll kill off those parasites. So if you've got low stomach acid and, um, you know, really a poor gut bacteria, it's just the perfect environment for them. They come in, they set up house and they they will stay because it's the right environment for them to thrive. Also, they love an acidic body. So if your body is fueled on the wrong foods, it's really acidic. If you've, you know, your immune system's low because you're underslept or you haven't eaten the right nourishing foods, then they're, they're certainly going to come on board. And, you know, obviously if we travel, we might pick something up. So, you know, that classic example of going to Bali and getting Bali belly or picking up something from India, that's okay and people do. We get that when we travel. But the difference between someone coming back, you know, having a, a you know sort of a gentle parasite cleanse, getting rid of it, that's fine. But then there's unfortunately the other, um, other sort of side or the other people who just can't shake it off. It's a constant thing that they have and that comes back down to the microbiome and not being sort of strong enough to defend themselves. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you and I have been speaking about this topic for some time now and I don't know, you don't know if you can remember, but you mentioned this analogy, analogy about a house where all the rooms are full. Do you remember that one? Yeah, yeah. So if you've got a, um, a you know a five bedroom house, for example, in an ideal situation, bedroom one is taken up with beautiful bacteroides, which is the you know the foundation of our gut health. The beautiful bacteria that build out that composition of the microbiome. Then we might have you know in bedroom number two with good views, you know the lactobacillus strains. And then we might have the bifido strains in the other bedroom and they help with our immune system, they help us digest our plant matter. And then, you know, we might have all of those rooms in the house taken up with all the good bacteria. But so when a parasite comes along, there's literally no rooms. It's like a share house. There's no room left for it to um you know, to burrow down. And so it will just then pass through the body. But if you, um, if a parasite comes in, into a house and it's all empty rooms, it will very, very quickly take up every single one of those rooms and basically leave all the other housemates to come, which might be all the really good bacteria. When they come along, there's no room left for them. And so they won't um, inoculate, they won't multiply, and it's really, really hard for the, the body to kind of recover from that. So it's, it is such a cool analogy that, you know, we want to fill up all those rooms of the house with all of the, you know, that complete diversity of good bacteria to make sure we have a thriving system. Yeah, I love it. I think it's a really great analogy and it certainly can give you that visual picture of why someone might be more susceptible or perhaps why they have um, found that they do have a parasite. Um, and certainly, you know, gut health is a huge topic and we know that poor gut health is um, going to cause a multitude of problems and health complications. But how common do you see um, parasites in your business, Kirsty? Uh, 
every single person that I work with seems to have a parasite of some description. So we do really comprehensive testing through a company called Bioscreen and comprehensive in the fact that they really get down to the nitty-gritty of finding out who's living in those bedrooms in your house and what's the composition, and they also do a really good job of testing what parasites are living in your gut. And I can I can say probably, you know, 90% of our clients that come through who have that biosprean test done will have a form of parasite that's causing them some form of um, distress in their body. And what we see is that the parasite's taken over and then all those good bacteria that almost non-existent, like, you know, the the distribution of what's coming through is is almost zero. So it's so common. And, you know, it doesn't matter what age you are, everyone's, and, you know, really in an ideal world we should be cleansing for parasites twice a year. It's just a practice that seems to have gone out of, um, almost gone out of fashion. It's like, um, oh, we're immune to parasites now, (laughs) but we're not. We're still organisms and we, we still are exposed to them. Yeah, absolutely. And what about, I mean, I understand that people are going to come and see you for gut health challenges and you have mentioned before that you do generally see people that are quite unwell. Do you Mm -hmm. think that that still means that parasites are quite common or is it just in the subsection of the population that you deal with? No, no. From what I understand on the research, it's, it's very, very common. And I think because it's just not routinely tested for and screened for anymore. And I think the the symptoms can be quite blurry. So especially when it comes down to someone says, look, I'm feeling really, you know, depressed or I've got fatigue or I've got, you know, headaches. It's not sort of the first port of call for a practitioner to say, look, you, you might have a parasite. Um, often practitioners jump to more, oh, okay, well, maybe we need to put you on some antidepressants or, um, you know, may, maybe you need to have some, you know, some panadine forward or something. Um, it's it's just not routinely checked for and so it's quite surprising how many people have it. But, yeah, unfortunately the, um, the crew that I see definitely they have it but they have multiple different types, so... Yeah, absolutely. So I want to talk a little bit more about those strains. So um, you mentioned blasto and um, D fragilis. There's also C diff. Um, what sort of um, numbers are you talking about with the strains that you see? As in in my clients? Yeah, like what are the common strains or how many different strains of parasites? Yeah, so really common to see blasto coming through and the D fragilis. So that's... Um, very, very common. And unfortunately, we're seeing Clostridia quite a lot coming through too now. And that's a spore-forming bacteria. And spore-forming mean that it, you know, it can travel through the body. And and the thing that, you know, we, we need to think about with these parasites, and I might be skipping down a little bit here, Steph, but I think it's important to to really understand that a parasite, when it lives in your body, it releases really um, quite toxic substances. So when you eat, the parasites eat, and as they eat and feed and breed, they release ammonia into the body. So the, say, defragilis and um, the blasto, they release really, really high doses of ammonia. 
Now, we know that ammonia is really toxic to the brain and it's also very hard on the kidneys to excrete. And so, you know, that's when we start to see it becoming a really systemic problem and clostridia is the same. It can cause um, quite, you know, severe magnesium deficiencies. It can cause, um, you know, quite a lot of um, brain problems because it is endotoxic to the brain. So a lot of people can suffer from depression or confusion, um, you know, racing heart rate. So because the symptoms can be confused with stress or they can be confused with being overworked or not sleeping enough, I just don't think that we're being we're testing enough and we're drilling down to that that gut level. I think we're sort of making, make, not making excuses for these symptoms, but maybe just popping it down to stress or diet as opposed to really getting down to the nitty-gritty. Yeah, I completely agree with you. It's certainly not um, identified as early as it should be in that sort of treatment protocol. And we'll, we'll talk about testing in a moment, but I really wanted to get your thoughts on the impact of, say, parasites for our athletes. So, you know, these are our, our listeners that are certainly optimising their performance, but what might be happening if they do have a parasite that they don't know about? Yeah. So let's go back to the rooms of the house because it's, it's a beautiful analogy. So if you've got a parasite and it's taken up all the rooms of the house, then there's no rooms left for bacteria strains like the um, bifido strains, for example, the bifido um, bacidum strains. Now, those bifido strains are amazing at helping us digest plant matter. They, you know, we've also got the lactobacillus strains that help us digest our protein. So if you've got a parasite that's taken up every room in the house, you're then going to basically not be able to digest your food. And when you're not going to be able to digest your food, um, you're not going to absorb it and you're not going to assimilate it. So you're going to have, you know, low muscle tone. You're not going to recover very well. You're not, you're going to be deficient all the time. So your recovery is just, you know, you're going to look at the person next to you and you did as much training as them. You've put in as much effort as them and you just, can't recover like they are or you can't get that final push that they can so it's certainly um you know you can be eating the most optimal diet possible as you as you know being an athlete but if you're not absorbing it and you're not assimilating it then you'll be very deficient and that has huge implications for optimal performance the other thing is that when we have a parasite in our body it um basically puts the body's immune system into high alert which then switches on your cortisol levels. And so it puts you into that fight or flight kind of reaction. And when we go into fight or flight, it basically shuts down other parts of the body just so we can, you know, <laughs> run away from the problem. So we know that when we have a huge surge of cortisol in a fight or flight, we send a lot of our blood flow to our legs which is that sort of primal need to run away from the situation, like running away from the tiger. So if you're always in that fight or flight cortisol reaction, you're certainly not going to get any blood flow to your lungs or blood flow to your arms or, you know, getting that sort of um, extra nutrients and blood flow to all the parts of the body. So you might have strong legs from running, but you're certainly going to have quite a, um, a lean 
quite weak upper body because you're just not getting that nutrients and that strength to the body. So, and then obviously cortisol levels are high, the immune system runs low, so you'll get colds, you'll, you know, get fevers, you'll get all those sorts of niggling issues that athletes can't afford to have. They've got to be, you know, training at optimum performance and waking up every day ready to go. So they, you know, it's, it, it can be a really big problem. Yeah, I was just going to say, I totally agree with you. And again, I think it comes back to how, you know, so many of those problems or complications that you mentioned could be linked to other situations. Like, you know, if an athlete's immune system is down, it might be seen as overtraining or, you know, certainly managing endurance training with a stressful job. And, you know, it's definitely hard to link it back to the presence of a parasite so we can certainly see why it can definitely why it can go undiagnosed yeah yeah exactly and you know to get it tested is so easy and I oh gosh I wish it was like standard protocol when you have a checkup every six months you just send off your stool and you, you know I think that should be just a as important as getting your bloods done because you know we if you imagine that we're like a tree um, the leaves of the tree, right up the top of the tree, the leaves are like the symptoms. They blow in the wind. They can change. They change colour with the seasons. And, it, you know, it, they're transient. And the, the um, trunk of the tree it grows. It changes a little bit. But the roots of the tree is really where it's all at. And so if you don't know what's happening with the roots, which is your gut, then, you know, you're going to be fighting up wind all the time or uphill trying to work out what's happening in those leaves. <laughs> Whereas if you just get right down to the root cause of the of the trunk and right down into the roots of the tree, it, you can very quickly peel back to what the problem is and actually fix it far quicker. And you don't have to waste your time sort of shooting around is it this is it that stabbing around in the dark oh my vitamin d levels low could it be this could it be that you can very quickly solve that problem so in the end you end up saving a lot of time and and therefore a lot of money because a lot of um testing if you're not at optimal performance can as, as you know Steph, can cost a heap of money yeah i think that's one of the issues though i mean Stool testing isn't standard practice, unfortunately, but cost can be a big barrier there. So let's talk more about the testing that you use and um, we can certainly explore, um, you know, more benefits rather than, you say, going to see, you know, multiple practitioners or, or guessing forever as to what's going on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, if you start off with getting that bioscreen test where you get sort of that complete understanding of the composition of your gut, you, yeah, you can very, very quickly see, okay, well, I've got this parasite, so therefore I'm not going, you know, to be able to digest my food. I'm not going to be able to um, have any of the, make a lot of my neurotransmitters. You know, if someone's low in things like E. coli, which is a good bacteria in our gut, they won't be able to, um, they won't be able to sleep because it, E. coli helps with the production of melatonin and so if you're you know finishing the day racing or whatever you're doing as an athlete and then you go to go to bed because and you're tired but you can't sleep you're just not going to be able to recover so once again 
There's no point sort of stabbing around in the dark. Why can't I sleep? What's this problem? What's that problem? If you went straight to the gut and had a look at your results, you could you could see, oh, okay, I'm low in E. coli. That makes melatonin. I need to sort that out. And therefore, and very quickly can you um, solve the problem as opposed to taking, you know, this this tablet and that tablet and, you know, oh, could it be this? Could it be that? And then kind of going on that merry-go-round of seeing multiple practitioners. Um, you know, I really encourage people to see lots of practitioners but armed with knowing what's happening in your gut. Yeah, great point. So starting with the testing for sure. Mm. Mm. So what sort of um, costing are we talking for Bioscreen? Yeah, so the buy screen is around $440 um, for the comprehensive stool analysis and that will also include getting your parasite um, test done as well, so looking at what parasites are living in there. And um, it, it does just eliminate so many anomalies and so therefore, I mean, I know from my own personal experience, when I was sick, I would, oh, maybe it's this, I'll try this supplement, maybe it was that, I'll try that supplement. I ended up spending so much money um, trialling things, going to see people, and then as soon as I got my test done, even though I thought, wow, that that's so much money, everything just sort of fell into alignment and I knew exactly what to do. So in the end, it would have saved me some money if I'd had it done at first, so I do see it as as a big initial outlay, but um, it certainly pays off in the long run because you you can be more strategic about where you head and more scientific about where you're going. Yeah, and you've got a benchmark to come back to, obviously, to make sure. Mm. (laughs) And that's so motivating, right? Like if your tests come back and you've got um, parasites, for example, and then you get it done again in six months' time and you've worked and worked, you've, you know, done the treatment protocol, you've been good, you've eaten your fermented foods, you've stuck to everything that, you you know, you needed to do, and then you get that result back and the parasite's gone. It's like, oh, you know, what a great motivation that, you, you know, it, it really worked out. And this not many, not many tests that, well, I mean, there's lots of tests that you can sort of measure that baseline, but that's, you know, there's something really satisfying about knowing that you've totally changed the dynamics in your gut. Yeah, absolutely. As well as being able to, you know, determine when that treatment either stops or continues because, you know, some people, as you said, um, they can battle it for a long time. So you, I guess you just can't assume that it's gone after you know, a couple of months, for example? No, because so parasites and infections in the body and especially in the gut, they form these things called biofilms. And so you might feel better and you might think, oh, my symptoms are gone, I feel awesome. But unless you've broken down those biofilms, it it may come back. And so, you know, you've got to be very, very careful about um getting that extra testing and not just relying on, oh, I don't feel too bad, I think it's probably gone now because, um, you know, you could be dealing with an infection that's been around for a long, long time. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. So tell us more about the biofilm and and certainly where you think that um, the research shows the treatment should go. Yeah, so... 
Fire film is very um, exciting. I, I really love understanding more and more about this and the fact that it's becoming more common for people to understand it because, um, you know, it's been associated with most chronic health conditions and especially autoimmune conditions. And um, basically what it what it is is when we have an infection or a parasite that comes into the body, for them to hang out and to basically take up house or take up shop they have to multiply. So they'll come into the body and maybe they'll come into the gut and they'll lay down on um, a surface and they'll multiply and multiply and multiply. Now, once they're multiplying, they send out these little sensors to each other. It's called quorum sensing. And with these little sensors, they join together with this little protein. It's like a silk. And once they've joined together, they form a film which... I liken to this, you know, Star Wars force field. <laughs> so it forms a film to protect that infection. So once that film has been formed, that it's very, very, very hard to get rid of what that infection is underneath that biofilm. So let's choose the example of you get blasto, for example. And you get your results back and you've got, oh, my gosh, I've got, you know, the parasite blasto. And your GP says to you, right, well, we're going to have to go on some antibiotics. So you go on some antibiotics and you feel awesome when you're on the antibiotics. Everything goes back to normal. The diarrhea stops, the heavy legs, the, you know, dragging yourself around like you can barely move. You start sleeping properly and everything starts to line up. And then after those 10 days of being on the antibiotics, you go off them. And then about a week later, all those symptoms start crawling back in. Mm. And you're right back to where you started. Now, the reason why that's happened is, is the antibiotics haven't considered, or, or sorry, the antibiotics haven't dealt with that film that's protecting the infection or the parasite. So we know now that it's got to be a staged approach. You've got to go in and break down that biofilm, like peeling back the onions, uh, the layers of an onion, break down that biofilm to actually get to the infection. So the breaking it down will expose the infection. And then only then can you go in with your um, parasitic, you know, microbials, whatever you're going to use, to then truly be able to kill it off. Otherwise, you just sort of get into this pattern of I feel okay because I'm on, you know, my antibiotics or I've done a parasite cleanse, but, oh, God, here I am back in the same spot I was. Whereas when you get treat the biofilm and the enzymes that basically eat away at the biofilm, mm. get to that infection and then you can actually truly get it out of the body. So it's, it's really exciting research. It's just wonderful. And the implications for people who have had long-term chronic illnesses, you know, for example, chronic fatigue or mental health issues or, you know, just long-term, you know, irritable bowel, um, it's just such a wonderful thing because it truly, truly can change someone's you know health because you, you're getting right down to the nitty-gritty of the problem oh it's so fascinating and I think it gives hope for the people that have been doing multiple rounds of antibiotics perhaps have only been exposed to conventional treatment models and you know they just keep going around and around in circles 
Yeah, and it's, you know, it's really, it, it can be quite deflating. Like, you know, why is this happening and what's going on? And and then obviously, you know, whilst you're taking all those antibiotics, there's a whole other functions of the body that are shutting down in the process because obviously antibiotics impact the liver and they do all sorts of, you know, other sort of <laughs> horrible things to the body that your body has to handle. So you, you don't want to be going on multiple rounds of those. Yeah, absolutely. So then tell us the actual sort of order of events. So say someone gets their um, bio screen and they have a parasite. What what do they do first? Is it the biofilm? Yeah, so first I would talk to my client about diet mm. and we would discuss what what helps a parasite thrive and what help, what kills a parasite off basically. Mm. So the first thing is that you know it's a diet that's full of sugar and high carbs and processed food is going to feed the parasites and keep them there. Whereas a, a diet that's um you know, obviously low in sugar and um, keeping the carbs pretty low and, you know, using good quality fats as your energy source is going to make a huge difference because if you don't feed them, they're not going to multiply and so it's going to be very hard for them to stay around. So the first line of attack is to get that diet right. So for some of my clients, I um, would, you know, utilise more of a ketogenic diet for a little while or a cyclical ketogenic diet, which basically means you're burning fat for fuel as opposed to glucose for fuel. So you're not giving those parasites anything to hang on to. Yes. The second thing is, um, you know, we have a product, a culture wellness product called Biofilm Release, and it's the enzymes which go in and eat away and break down that biofilm. So we would um, put a client on the biofilm release and they would take that to work at getting that um, away, the biofilm broken down. And then thirdly, um, focusing on a parasite cleanse or a parasite blend that is very, very strategic for breaking down the life cycle of parasites because they, you know, they're an organism, so they follow the moon cycle. So they will lay eggs and they'll hatch those eggs and they'll, they'll do different things at different parts of the moon cycle. So you want to make sure that you've got a parasite blend, like we've got one, for example, for culture wellness, and it's got, you know, cloves and wormwood and black walnut. And those are very, very specific and target the different life cycle and getting it, you know, the right dosage at the right time is very important and you know it's we know that it's just as effective as using probiotics uh, sorry antibiotics and but it's effective but then when you come off them you haven't destroyed your gut microbiome from being on the the antibiotics yeah absolutely and the final thing is you know we've got to we've got to sort of make sure that we repopulate that um you know that share house with all the, the good stuff so and you know we come into contact with parasites all the time so it's not as if you get you know you do one cleanse and get rid of them and then you're done for the rest of your life like it's a constant upkeep to keep your system humming and your your gut thriving so you want to then, you know, fermented foods and lots of good prebiotics and lots of fibre and really focusing on rebuilding that um, 
gut microbiome and rebuilding that good bacteria. So if another parasite does come along, it's not going to lay down, it's not going to build a biofilm and you're not going to get into the same trouble that you've previously been in. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's such a great treatment model. I mean, absolutely avoiding antibiotics at all costs, but looking at, you know, how to rebuild the gut so that the problem's not going to continue to happen, hopefully. So what about during, say, the biofilm release or the cleanse? Do Is it still beneficial to look at prebiotics and probiotics during that phase? Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. So, you know, you want to be, a, it takes time to re- rebuild a gut. Mm. So you don't want, you know, you just don't want to be waiting around. You just want to dive right on in there and start rebuilding. So as soon as you start your biofilm clean at work and as soon as you go on your parasite cleanse you want to be right there at exactly the same time rebuilding all of that good gut bacteria and then um i I suppose we need to add to that actually the protocol of mopping up the toxins should we go there now steph or yeah yeah i'd love to hear about that for sure So we kind of briefly talked previously about the fact that parasites release these, you know, horrible toxins like ammonia. So when you're doing a protocol like this, for example, and you're breaking down that biofilm and you're taking your beautiful herbs that's um, killing off the parasite, you, you will have a time when you just feel a bit crap because it's going to release those toxins so it's very very important to provide the support for your body to be able to mop that up because you know those toxins can make you feel very fatigued and tired and obviously very acidic and it'll make it really hard if you're an athlete to train or if you're a mum to get up and just deal with the day so um, we we definitely recommend using things like activated charcoal that basically goes in and binds to the ammonia and binds to the toxins and carries it out of the body. We recommend things like bentonite clay, which does the same thing. So it um, basically, you know, moves through the body and binds to all of those toxins. And um, enemas, coffee enemas are a huge one. You know how much I love my (laughs) talking about coffee enemas. But coffee enemas are so important because if if you've broken down this biofilm and you're killing off these parasites, you've got to get them out. You don't want to have them, like, hanging out in your bowel, rotting in there. So, you know, and to be, I suppose, I hope people aren't eating breakfast because (laughs) it's kind of cool when you're doing something this full on to actually do an enema and actually you you see the parasites come out. You Mm. see the biofilm come out. And it's really rewarding to know that all your hard and all that effort and being, you know, sort of dedicated you can, you can see it leaving the body and you're giving your body the best chance and supporting it to get rid of it because you don't want it hanging out in your, blood, in your body. No, I totally agree. And I think, yeah, like it's not a lovely topic to talk about, but I'm glad you touched on that because it's important to recognise that if you're going to be clearing parasites, it might be quite unpleasant at the start at least, right? Mm. Yeah, very unpleasant. Mm. Um, because of those toxins that they release 
And, you know, they're not going to be happy. They're an organism that does not want to die. And whilst they're going through that process of dying, you might get some pretty full-on abdominal pain or um, more diarrhoea. You might get some of those symptoms. It does pass quite quickly. And if you're right in there with your clay and your charcoal and your enemas, um, it will be far easier to go through and much more manageable than doing it without it. I, I, I yeah, I couldn't imagine doing something like that without using those tools of the tox, as I call them, because it, it just would make life really horrible and uncomfortable. And you don't need to do it because there's we we know we've got all these wonderful tools that will help you through. Yeah, beautiful. So a really well-rounded protocol to make the experience as, as I guess, bearable as possible <laughs> yeah. with those um, obviously health, com- health, health outcomes in mind. So that's excellent. Um, I wanted to ask a couple of other questions actually. While we're talking about the protocols, how would that differ between something like blasto compared to clostridia? Okay, so clostridia being spore forming and being a a bacteria, um, it still has biofilm, so you still need to work on the biofilm, but you'll use different antimicrobials to treat it and you'll use quite specific um, probiotics to rebuild the gut. So we know that um, things like olive leaf extract um, and oil of oregano is very, very powerful on clostridia. Um, so very different to, say, using the parasite um, cleanse with the wormwood and the cloves and black walnut. We also know that probiotics such as um, sac- sacrobuliati or um, cerveces is very, very good at crowding out the clostridia. So um, a little bit different, but you still will go through the process of taking your um, biofilm because they both will form a biofilm. You need an antimicrobial, um, but it will differ between whether it's a parasite one or a clostridia one. And and then obviously mopping all that up, clostridia, the it, it's very neurotoxic to the brain, what they release. So, you know, and, oh, gosh, it can drill your magnesium really, really quite extensively. So, you know, you need to make sure that you're right there getting your nutrients up to be able to deal with the die-off. And then um, some targeted probiotics, and that was another reason why we put the um, Saccharomyces boulardii into the culture wellness um, cultures was because, you know, so many people that I um, knew and obviously I developed it for my family, we we were dealing with clostridia and and it's just such a powerful probiotic to, to have in your little arsenal when you're rebuilding your gut. Yeah, fascinating. I think it's really important to recognise the differences between symptoms. So, again, starting with that testing so you know what you're dealing with and the protocol that can um, best treat that situation. Yeah, exactly. And it comes right down to, you know, to the food as well. Like so if, if you've been, you know, feeling really, really wonderful and then suddenly you've just gone through this real marked phase of, you know, have, feeling really flat, having some mental health issues. Um, you know, it's really important to obviously get your gut tested because it's coming from the gut. But even utilising things like having lots of liver pate would be really important to have in your, you know, your little program because 
it's full of B6 and that B6 is going to help fire up those neurotransmitters. It's going to help with the specific detox through those pathways that are going to help with getting rid of um, those neurotransmitters. And so, you know, even making sure that you're nourishing your body in, in the way that it needs and the nutrients that it needs um, is very, very important depending on what parasite or what bacteria you've got. Yeah. For sure. And what about apple cider vinegar? Where does that have its place? Oh, just in life. In <laughs> yeah, I know, like daily. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, gosh, where do I start? So apple cider vinegar. And traditionally, you know, we used it actually before we understood how cool biofilm, you know, the enzymes were. We actually used it to break down biofilm. So it can be used to break down biofilm, but when um, you've got sort of a big parasite load or when you've got a big bacterial load, it's, it's not going to be enough. But it's mm. certainly once you've finished your protocol, it's right in there upkeeping it every single day. So the first thing is it's got those beautiful enzymes to break down any biofilm. The other thing is if you've got parasites or, you know, streptococcus or anything infection living in your body, you tend to be quite acidic. And so the apple cider vinegar is amazing at really providing an alkaline system. So once again, the infections can't live in there because they don't like an alkaline system. So the apple cider vinegar is great for that. And then obviously the apple cider vinegar is great at providing heaps of potassium and that's going to help your kidneys to be able to get that electrolyte balance right because the parasites release that ammonia that we were talking about and ammonia gets um, detoxed out through your kidneys. And so your kidneys will get a bit stressed as you're getting rid of it. So you want to be able to provide all that beautiful nutrients and electrolytes to love, love up your kidneys and help them to excrete that ammonia and excrete those toxins. So it's another way of providing potassium, nutrients, electrolytes, and the other amazing thing that that apple cider vinegar will do is we touched briefly right at the start about low stomach acid and how that's a great protective, well, well high stomach acid is a great protective layer to stop those parasites from coming into the body. And apple cider vinegar, yes, it's alkaline into the body, mm. but it's um, kind of an amazing feat of strength that it does because it provides acidity in the gut. So it's an amazing tool to have um, to help you break down protein, digest plant matter and keep that acidity in the gut really nice and high so you can digest your food. So, it's you know, it, it really is an absolute 101. I just went on a five-day hike and I think that was the first thing that I packed was <laughs> my apple cider vinegar. <laughs> yeah, definitely don't want to go anywhere without it. No, and... I, I don't know if you've done this, Steph, but, um, you know, when I've done sort of any endurance stuff or even hit trainings, like I love doing sprints and stuff, I have it in my water bottle when I'm training. It's mm. the, the number one thing that I do because we, we get acidic when we train. So if we can then fuel our bodies with, you know, when we drink, if we can hydrate with you know alkalining and with those minerals I just find I my recovery is just better and I can sort of be at that sort of high capacity of training for a much longer period of time so it was pretty cool when I started adding it to my water bottle when I 
you know, go and play a sport or do any form of exercise. It was a, a big eye-opener for me. It was a game-changer. Yeah, that's such a great idea. It's, it is. It's such a, such a key, I think, ingredient and good for so many things. Mm. Beautiful. Now, my last question was to explore us a little bit on the low FODMAP diet, um, what your thoughts are on its use for, say, parasites or maybe some challenges with how it interferes with the microbiome when um, long-term. Okay, so I am um, a huge fan of the low FODMAP diet for a very, very, very short amount of time. So the low FODMAP diet, which is, you know, basically all the different fermentable sugars in the different natural foods. So, for example, you know, oleosaccharides in um, certain plant matter. It's, you know, natural in foods that we have. But um, a lot of people I see tend to go on it for long periods of time, like six months or a year or I'm on a low-fat diet and they sort of plan to be on it forever. Um, it's great at helping to calm the body and it's great for lowering your symptoms. So people would be on that diet because they get lots of bloating or they get lots of diarrhea or constipation. It does it does help to mitigate and manage those symptoms because you're cutting out those fermentable sugars. But it's, it's just a little stopgap or a little Band-Aid. But the thing that concerns me is it doesn't deal with the root cause of the problem, which is generally a parasitic infection. And all those FODMAPs like broccoli and cauliflower and leek and fennel and onions and garlic, all those um, FODMAPs are the key players in growing a robust gut. So they're prebiotics. And without prebiotics, we can't grow the good bacteria in our gut. So they're kind of like food for our gut. And if we don't feed our gut with that good food, those little bacterias will just die off. And when they die off, it leaves those blank, you know, empty, empty rooms. rooms. Yeah. <laughs> to come. So, um, and you know, the other thing is that if you're having trouble with FODMAPs, you know, go get the test. Hmm. <laughs> it's giving, it's the perfect um, signal. It's a little warning sign to say, hey, if I can't digest them, there's something else that's digesting them in my gut and I don't want it there. So um, it definitely it will give some relief. It will certainly help. But, you know, I certainly wouldn't want to see any of my clients on it for more than a week or so because you're starving your microbiome of what it needs to grow. Yeah, I know it's a huge issue. What about if someone was doing low FODMAP longer than a week but they tried different prebiotics like psyllium or banana flour? Um, that's a possibility, but we need to remember that um, the body works as a whole, in a, in a whole system. So those foods aren't going to love your liver. And, you know, if you want to um, clean out hormones in the body or if you want to get rid of heavy metals or if you want to excrete some, um, you know, any any sort of toxins in the body, 
we need things like the broccoli and we need onions and those sorts of things because they fire up that second phase of the liver that helps us detox out chemicals and helps us get rid of our hormones and for women especially you know it's it's you know very important to make sure that our bodies are thriving and you know our cycle is all in alignment so um yes it would be wonderful to you know help maybe provide some of that food for the gut but then you're not getting that nutrients that your body needs for other parts of the system and for other organs. Yeah, yeah, I see your and, point. <laughs> but let me go back because mm. those resistant starches, you know, the RS starches that, um, you know, people are talking about now and it's kind of becoming a bit of a, a buzz, I love them. I think they're very important to provide resistant starch because they also grow good gut bacteria. But we have three different types of resistant starch, RS1, RS2 and RS3, and some starches will be beneficial for some people and some starches will cause more problems because if you've got a parasite in your gut, if you then feed it resistant starch, it'll love it. It won't, if you have resistant starch, it won't just go in and feed the good bugs. It'll go and feed those parasites as well. So you've got to make sure, like so for my program with my clients, I don't introduce resistant starch until sort of two, three months' time because I want to make sure that all those bad guys are completely gone and we're only feeding good guys because you can kind of get a, in a bit of trouble if you have your pre, you know, your prebiotics and resistant starches. You can end up feeding the poor strains and um and yeah, you can sort of get that um, that imbalance. You can sort of push it out and make it worse. Yeah, I think it's it's certainly you know got to be individual, and I see that you know both sides of things in terms of what you need to look at, including and certainly the timeline to make sure that the body's ready for that introduction. Yeah, absolutely. And and it is so individual. You know, once again, someone who just picked up something in Bali, they've come back, you know, they dealt with it. They can jump on the resistant starch and the FODMAPs and all that sort of stuff, you know, probably within a couple of weeks. Whereas someone who's had chronic health conditions for a long, long time, it's going to be a bit more of an uphill battle, not an uphill battle, but a bit more time and energy. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Oh, that's been so fascinating. It's such an inter interesting topic and I just love talking to you about it because you're such a wealth of knowledge. Oh, and um, we are having some fantastic results with some clients here at the Natural Nutritionist that are using your biofilm release and your herbal parasite cleanse. So we thank you for that. Um, for anyone that's interested, I'll put some links in the show notes. So obviously you can find out more about culture wellness, but certainly those products, um, but you've always got to start with your testing. So um, please do um, explore that if you think that parasites might be getting in your way of optimal health and wellness. Kirsty, thanks so much for your time today. It's been lovely to chat with you again, and we'll no doubt have you back on the show again really soon. Cool. Thanks so much for having me, Steph. Thanks again. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives.
Foster Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners. These podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.